My name's Emma Longo, and I'm 19 years old. I've wanted to start a podcast for a really long time, but I just never got around to it. I think I was afraid. I was afraid of being unprofessional. And I think as someone who's young, that can be true, but I also think I owe it to myself to do things that make me uncomfortable. And this feels slightly uncomfortable. So today I'm going to be talking about disappointments. And I don't want them to be framed in a negative way. I'm actually going to be talking about the positivity of a disappointment. And this has been something I've been thinking about for a really long time. I, like a lot of people, I don't know if anyone listening does this, but I tend to imagine how things will be in the future. And it could be relationships, it could be not relationships, you know, it could be a job, it could be school, it could be moving somewhere new, it could be even a new outfit, you know, thinking of how these things have the ability to change our life and looking at our life in a different light. And when something disappoints you, when you don't get into the school you want, when that relationship doesn't work out, when that person doesn't like you back, when you are brought back to reality, when you are disappointed, when your expectations don't match up with what things are, I think there's a great deal of power in that. And I'm going to talk about why. First, I want you to think of a time within the past week, month, even year, where you felt a true disappointment. And it could be in relation to the pandemic, but I would even encourage it to be more singularly focused. Something small, even. And it's easiest to do this with romantic things, but it could be anything. And I want you to think, how were you disappointed? Did you have any thoughts going into it? Were you knocked down? Were your thoughts kind of knocked down? So I think of, I was talking to someone romantically, and they were really nice, really solid person, very decent person. And we went on a date, and it just was not how it was in my head, basically. The beauty of a disappointment. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the movie 500 Days of Summer, but essentially it's all about disappointments. This guy, Tom, falls in love with this girl named Summer, who works, they both work at a greeting card company they meet at work, and she tells him she wants something casual, and he kind of enforces this narrative on her, he projects onto her, um, a relationship, and things don't go out to be the way he wants, and I'm not, if you don't want to spoil or skip ahead 15 seconds, but she ends up marrying someone else, and he wonders why wasn't it me, and he's disappointed, but there's nothing else that was more freeing to him than being disappointed. He had he had the chance to stop thinking about her in that way. When you're disappointed, when someone doesn't lead you down the area you want, when they're not the person you want them to be, when they don't perform the way they're supposed to, they become more real. And before the disappointment, potentially you're putting that person on a pedestal, right? You're expecting them to be someone they're not. And when the disappointment comes is when their humanness shows. 
So maybe it's not necessarily that things are, things must be the way they should be in our minds. But if we stop looking at things in terms of disappointment versus, you know, how things should happen, then I think it allows for the humanness of others to come through. Maybe people couldn't make that phone call. Maybe people couldn't text back. Maybe people couldn't make that date. Maybe I think it's easier to forgive people when you see that you're the one at fault for wanting them to be someone else. And I think there's a fine balance between setting those expectations. You should want those boundaries and expectations in a relationship and be very firm about those. But there's a story I read in my literature course called Drawer by Rick Moody. And basically, this guy is mad at his ex-wife or ex-partner about an armoire. He takes out all his anger on this armoire because it represents to him the failure of his relationship. Because she had called the drawer an armoire, and he hated everything about that armoire. He hated that she called it an armoire. He hated that it was an armoire. He hated that the top drawer of it, of this armoire, was locked, and he couldn't access it. He hated how he couldn't love her in the way he wanted to, or maybe she didn't love him. And so there's a desperation there. When we can't open that lock, when we don't know what's inside, we're free to imagine, right? But eventually, when you take the crowbar, like he does, we don't really know when he does, but imagine you take the crowbar and you hit that armoire. I don't know the physics of this or the engineering of how this would happen, but... Let's just say you manage to pry open that drawer, that locked drawer, and you open it, and it's something totally different than what you expected. You're brought back to reality again. And there's something really beautiful about imagination, and there's something really horrible about it. Because the horrible part comes in where we project. What do you want that armoire to be? What do you want that drawer to be? What do you want that person to be? You don't know anything about them, but maybe you're just searching for someone that they could be. And in some ways that's wrong, and in some ways that shows our humanness. So, you know, think of summer, 500 days of summer. Think of your life. Think of this armoire. What is your own armoire? What are you looking for answers to? I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Because when you look at your life, maybe the goal shouldn't be getting what we want. It should be grounding ourselves. And it's nice to imagine, and I think you need that creativity. Kind of keeps you hopeful. How do you avoid the sad part of coming back down to earth? How do you avoid the sad part of being let down? And maybe it's a matter of perspective, and maybe it's just natural to feel sad when things aren't the way we want them to be. Maybe we're content by it, or maybe we're relieved. No, maybe you don't have to be the person to end things because they did. Maybe you don't have to go to that school your parents wanted you to go to because you didn't even get in. Disappointments allow for new opportunities. Disappointments allow you to look at things that you had not considered before. Look at people you hadn't considered, subjects you haven't considered, music. When things fall through the cracks, you have the ability to catch them. You know, when something falls through the woodworks, you have the ability to salvage it. And I think that's what's important is maybe you're not salvaging something, but maybe you're trying. 
whatever fails, there's always an alternative. And I think that's what failure and being let down allows us to do, is to look at the alternative. And maybe that alternative is reality. Think of, I think of times when I've had crushes on people and I've placed a huge expectation on them. And I don't think this is something I do as much now. I mean, yeah, I imagine things. I'm like, oh, that would be sweet. Or this would be a nice date. You know, I still do that for people, but I don't imagine them to be someone they're not. I think, I think we're all guilty of, from a young age, I think of the boy I liked in middle school when I was this quiet kid. He played sports, and he was in a different group. I was always imagining, because I was always aware that reality would let me down. And so I think that's interesting, is the actual being let down in reality is sometimes the scariest part. And maybe that's why we stay in that imagination, is because it's so comfortable. It's comfortable to see people as you want to see them, and it's comfortable to accept them as that. Because if you do, you have nothing else. You have nothing else to discover because you know everything in your mind. And I think that's a really bad thing to do. And we all do it. We all think of people in certain ways, and of course those people aren't that way at all. But you have to wonder... You know, are we bad people for thinking these things? Are we bad people for projecting? And I think it depends on your awareness of it. Like in 500 Days of Summer, this guy, he gets really mad at the girl. Tom gets really mad at Summer because she's not what he thought she was. She's different. He's not free to indulge in his fantasy anymore because he's brought down to earth. And it hurts. And I think that's what's interesting is... When we are brought down to earth, I guess what I'm trying to say is living in our fantasy keeps us comfortable. It keeps us at ease with the simplicity of creating our own perfect situation. We're kind of like world building, you know, like on a video game, like Minecraft or something. Like, And you're in creative mode and you have the absolute freedom to create whatever you want. It's like that. Because to us, this person's just a building block, right? We have the ability to shape our view of them into whatever we want them to be. But that's not reality. And that's something we really need to look at, is we should never view someone as the perfect person. We should just view them as a person. It's difficult to talk about, and I feel like it's not said enough. And I don't think necessarily that we are bad people for thinking these things. The difficulty comes into play where you base your happiness off of someone else, and you base your happiness off of your projection of them and how you imagine them to be. I think where you get real happiness is when you derive it from yourself. Because then you're not looking to anyone for answers, right? You're looking at yourself. You're fully expecting all the outcomes to come from you, to come from within. And when you do that, there's no room to pretend anyone is anything. Because when you have that source of happiness and you are fully content with yourself, you're not looking for it anywhere. You're not looking for someone to be perfect, to fill the holes that you don't have, because they're already full in you. You have a full heart. Your cup is, you know, the term fill your cup. And I think that's really relevant. Is It can be exhausting time after time to be disappointed by who people are. But if you are the one consistently being disappointed by who people are, maybe you're the one who needs to 
think about that. Why are you trying to shape them into someone that they're not? Or if you're not even doing that, if people just disappoint you generally, then I'm sorry. But it's just interesting to think about how our brains work and how we attach. And that's another point I want to get to, is the idea of a pedestal. So in some of my relationships, I haven't... I've had a couple relationships, and in those scenarios, both I have placed someone on a pedestal, and they have placed me on a pedestal. And here's what I've learned. From being placed on a pedestal, you know, from being the person who someone else projected onto, it feels horrible. Because you feel like no matter what you do, they'll never see you as you authentically are, because they're just so focused on an image of you. And part of you kind of wants to fill that role because it makes you feel good. Like, wow, you know, they see me as such an incredible person. So this is my role now. And you feel like there's no room for you to get away from that. It's stifling. It's stifling to be placed on a pedestal. And it's unrealistic because as someone who's been in that position, I begin to resent that person for doing that, for putting, for seeing me as a perfect person when I wasn't. And maybe they didn't even call me a perfect person, but I think of all the times I wish they would have just seen me as human instead of looking at me with glossy eyes, very glazed over eyes. And I knew, and I knew they weren't seeing me, they were seeing an image of me. And that hurt to know that they weren't fully viewing me as I was. From the perspective of someone who's placed people on a pedestal, it's unfair to them for the reasons I just mentioned, but you also get caught in your own fantasy, and you become codependent in that way, I think. You derive your happiness based on that person, and it begs the question, how much are we at fault for our projections onto people? And have we failed if we can't see them as they are? Or have they failed us? Have people failed us for not living up to our expectations of them? I mean, I would say it's pretty resounding no for most people. But you think of that and, you know, you wonder, like, I guess it's kind of a compliment in a way to be seen as perfect. It is. But it's an insult. It's just like how um, the model minority example. So stereotypically, and obviously this is not true at all. It's, again, a stereotype. You know, maybe Asians are seen as the model minority. My friend Kavya she's she's a minority an asian minority and she told me about this you know how she's indian she said asians are viewed as like the minority that other minorities should aspire to i think she said it in a way where she was kind of making fun of it but it's it's a sad concept because you think what's the opposite of that there's this post on instagram i saw and it said even positive stereotypes are bad positive stereotypes are bad because the opposite still exists And if the positive exists, then the negative exists as well. There are always going to be people who compare the two, you know? If the perfect version of someone exists in your mind, then the negative, more realistic version of them exists. And you might be disappointed by that. I think of the example, I think there was an example that said, a gay man who doesn't necessarily follow feminine mannerisms is seen as a positive stereotype, while a gay man who is more feminine is seen as a negative stereotype. But the two men are compared because for the non-feminine gay man, he's told, wow, you're not like other gay men. But for the feminine one, he's 
told you're too feminine. Why are you like that? And it's similar to the model minority, I think. Not obviously not in the same way at all, just in terms of comparisons. And if you have one stereotype or if you have one projection, can the opposite exist without you comparing them? And I don't think so. I mean, potentially, but I've always wondered if people, the people who place me on a pedestal, if they, when even when they learned things about me, they still really didn't see me. And I wonder how many breaks to the projection, how many hits does that false statue of someone have to take for it to break? How many things have to be revealed for the perfect image of someone, the person you're projecting onto? How many hits until you see them for what they are? When do you, when does the statue crumble? And what's left there? Is it nothing? Are you still willing to love that person or care about them? And I think it's really specific to who we are as people. We so badly want to mean something to someone. And we so badly want that person to mean something to us. And maybe if they mean something to us, then they have to be perfect. So I wonder, is it ever possible to see people as they truly are? And I would say yes. I would say yes, because if they're showing up authentically, then they're showing up as themselves. And then it's the other person's responsibility to see them for what they put out. And I think the harmful part comes in where when someone is showing up authentically and the other person sees that authenticity as a reflection of perfection. Or to put it in more simple terms, they see that authenticity and they skew it. There are a lot of nuances. Imagination leaves room for complexity, but it doesn't leave room for the nuanced or the things that don't come to mind. I know nuanced and, you know, things that don't come to mind aren't kind of like parallel ideas are not very similar but I mean imagination allows for complexity of detail but it doesn't allow for encountering perspectives that are different from what the case might be and that's really interesting because if you see someone is your habit is your opinion of them fully formed not to cut this short but that's kind of all I can think of saying Hopefully you've listened and you've kind of understood your own ways of interpreting things and potentially you're looking at your own ways of how you project onto people and why that's wrong. And I want to talk more about the importance of self-reliance as it relates to how we experience the world and how we identify with others and how we experience relationships, but I'll leave you with that. And for anyone who hasn't watched 500 Days of Summer... It's my favorite movie. Please watch it. I really recommend it. But I also recommend you don't be too hard on yourself, either for placing people on a pedestal, which obviously we should all try to stop doing if we can, you know, do what you can to counter those feelings. But it's human of us, too. I mean, my Enneagram type is the number two, so maybe that's just me. And it's not even being loved in a romantic sense. It's sharing that love and being surrounded by people I know who care. So I guess it depends on you as a person. And those are just some things to think about. What's important to you? And I would encourage you to look at the common patterns of potential projections you make on people. Are they always very nice? Are they always, do they always have a story? Do you write a backstory for them? 
Are you character building someone? Are you kind of world building? Are you using people as a blueprint for what you want them to be? And how do you do that? And it's, it's interesting to think about the creativity behind projecting onto people, right? I guess I'll close with kind of words of advice. We can't force people to be what we want them to be. We have to accept them as they are. And I think that's the ultimate form of love for someone, is allowing them to show up and not be perfect and still caring about them. And when that statue crumbles and when it falls and when the image breaks, you're able to look behind it and see the person standing there in front of you. So hope everyone who's listening has a great night and remembers that we are who we are and just like we wouldn't want someone to place an expectation on us, it's important that we don't do the same to them. And I think with that in mind, we can make the world a better, a more honest place.